Good evening. This is Dave Wager, coming to you on the program we call Nighttime. I'm glad you could be with me and hope you plan to stay with me for the next half hour. <laughs> that is, unless you fall asleep, which is really the purpose of this program. It's very important that as you go to sleep, you think of thoughts that are right thoughts. Because all through the night, you think of those things. If you go to sleep angry and upset, nervous, anxious, you won't sleep well. You'll be nervous and anxious all night, and then you'll get up in the morning and not feel well rested. Often I joke about the idea that I love God's concept of 24 hours a day and having a nighttime. I'm not sure I would do well in Alaska when the sun is shining all the time. Nighttime gives us an opportunity to reset, to think about the day and review what we've done well, what hasn't gone well, to confess our sins, to make ourselves once again right with God and fall asleep knowing that we are loved and wanted by Almighty God. If tonight you don't feel loved and wanted by God, then you don't know him. Now you might be pushing against him. You might be running away from him. It might be your desire to find hope and money or fortune or fame. And if you keep doing that, you'll never find it. There are so many miserable people in the world today because of the fact that they're searching apart from God for something that they can't find apart from God. It's time to relax and allow God to be God and let him love you. Those in life that have the most peace and purpose are those that enjoy God and they enjoy each other. And they look for the plan that God has every day, regardless of where they work. They look for God's plan. And at the end of the day, they rejoice in the fact that they were able to live in the realm of godliness, righteousness, a uniqueness, a holiness that only God can provide. As I watch the world seemingly fall apart in front of our eyes, I can't expect anything else because the world is trying to exclude God. And we can't do that. It's not that they're going to listen to me they didn't listen to the Old Testament prophets. People don't like authority. They don't like absolute authority because they want to be the absolute authority. So when you mention God, you're actually talking about one who they are afraid of because he represents absolute authority and indeed he is. If you have not understood that and responded to God in that way, you're going to be miserable. Isaiah, the 32nd chapter, verses 5 to 8 says, The fool will be no more called noble, nor the scoundrel said to be honorable. For the fool speaks folly, and in his heart is busy with iniquity to practice ungodliness, to utter error concerning the Lord to leave the craving of hungry unsatisfied and to deprive the thirsty of drink. 
As for the scoundrel, his devices are evil, his plans wicked, schemes to ruin the poor with lying words. Even when the plea of the needy is right, but he who is noble plans noble things, and on noble things he stands. No wonder people didn't want to listen to the prophet Isaiah. He's basically saying that today in this world, in his world, there were people who were fools that were called noble. They were fools because they used people rather than loving people. They loved things rather than using things. If we open ourselves up to the idea of respecting people because of their rhetoric, we're going to be in big trouble. How many times has somebody been able to sway decisions, make people think they're right when really they're just trying to use their popularity and their rightness to gain something for themselves? I think in recent years there's been an embarrassment in the evangelical circles with some very prominent leaders getting caught up in the ways of this world, whether it be excessive resources being used to an abusive way, whether it be power being used in abusive ways, or whether it be the Me Too movement. Anyway, you look at it, when you have somebody that's in front of somebody else that others respect and admire. There is also a great danger. A danger that they might actually start to believe their admirers. They might actually start to believe how wonderful they are. They might forget that they're actually depraved like the rest of the world and that they're capable of horrendous things if they allow their depravity to lead rather than God. There are many in this world who have ignored God, and they would like to make sure that the people that they influence make them God. They use their power and their money and their authority for themselves. They use their money, power, and authority for those who have helped them praise themselves. Until one day they get older and their power and their authority and their money no longer matter. And the very ones that they used to control now control them. Recently, we were helping our in-laws with some transitioning in a retirement home they're in. And in the process, my mother-in-law died. She went home to be with the Lord. As we were cleaning out some of her things, I couldn't help but think how meaningless these things were at this moment. They were things at one point that were very important. They were things that were purchased, kept, perhaps worn, clothes, whatever it might be. 
but she no longer needed any of those things. When my mom, years ago, moved from a home in the Chicago area to a home in northern Wisconsin, we sized her down. When she moved from her home in Wisconsin to a retirement condo or apartment, we sized her down again. She began to struggle and have strokes, and we would size her down till eventually she was in a single room in a nursing home. She didn't have much then. In fact, after her death, there was a van that I took to pick up her things, and that van wasn't even full of her things. A lifetime of accumulated things. Gone. Meaningless. In Proverbs, we're told that so often we live our lives like we're chasing the wind. And I've often thought of that and the idea of chasing the wind and actually catching it. What do you actually have? You don't have anything. The prophet Isaiah is talking about a day where those who have ignored God and stood on their own merit and pulled themselves up by their own bootstraps, they will be the ones called fool. For now, maybe they're called noble. For now, maybe they're called honorable. But in order to have the title of being noble and honorable for eternity, you need to be somebody who listens to God, and if you're not listening to God, you're a fool. In Psalm 14.1, it's very clear what it says. It says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable deeds. There is no one who does good. The fool in his heart says there is no God. That's interesting. I look at a nation today that wants to remove God from everything that we do. And if we don't remove God, we want to manipulate what he has said. We're manipulating him on the abortion front. There are people who say they love God and are Christians and are actually for killing babies in the womb. Somehow they want to make God approve that. And in fact, they may say something silly like, if God actually loves us, he would approve that because getting an abortion is a fundamental right according to them. There are honestly so many problems with that thought process. Unless, of course, you're trying to make what's foolish sound noble, what's scandalous sound honorable. Once again, we have to realize that abortion shouldn't even be an issue because we should be listening to God from the very start. And if you're going to ignore God, then you're going to have to deal with issues like abortion. 
You see, if you're listening to God, you're not sleeping around with people making babies that don't have a home to go into and don't have loving parents to surround them. If you're listening to God, there is no incest, there is no rape. If you're listening to God, there's no premarital sex. And those who are in the bond of marriage are faithful to their spouse. So if you're listening to God, you in essence are not concerned about abortion because it's an unneeded thing. You see, God made provision for every human being, every human life, and he did it through the stability of the family. And the family in the Bible is defined as one man and one woman who are committed to each other for life, however long that life is. In that environment, there will be stability in a home. Call me crazy if you want. But as I look at that, that seems like the only formula for success for any nation. A godless nation doesn't know what love is. Because the fool says in his heart there is no God, so a godless nation is a foolish nation. Not able to make wise decisions, not able to come to conclusions that will make any sense. All the women that talk about the right that they have to their own body, you can't help but think about those babies that are women that don't have the right to theirs. They don't even have a right to get their body developed. It's taken away before they have the chance. Abortion is outright murder. I know that's not politically popular. But those who know God and love God realize that you don't take a life that God has started and snuff it out. For every life is made in the very image of God and is a gift from God. Then again, if you're godless, I guess you can say that you love people, but you don't. You use them. And since a baby might be an inconvenience to your little sexual tryst, you decide that this baby is expendable. And you won't use the term baby. You need to call it fetus or tissue or blob or protoplasm or something. Well, there will be a day where the fool will no more be called noble. There will be a day where the scoundrel will not be considered honorable. When you look at some of the issues that we're facing and people who claim that they are Christians, again, that say things that are totally against what the scriptures say, they say it eloquently, they say it with tears, they say it in protests. The truth of the matter 
is that it doesn't matter how they say it. It's wrong. Homosexuality is wrong. Physical abuse of other people is wrong. Sexual abuse of people is wrong. Abortion is wrong. And in order to justify any of those actions, you must be godless. The answer to our nation and any nation really is to get themselves right with God. That's the real answer. I don't know how many times I've told politicians that the answer is God and they just roll their eyes. I'm not the one that said the fool says in his heart there is no God. That's what God says in his word. Those who don't believe in the only God that does exist are fools. And they're very capable of horrendous acts of horror. We as people will never be able to attain lasting peace among people who remain hopeless and lost. We will never be an honorable, just nation apart from God. We weren't made to exclude God from our lives. For life doesn't make any sense without him. Those aren't really fighting words. Those are just words that express the truth that is in God's word. God, by definition, is love. And we don't have the ability or the right to go and redefine love the way we want it. If we do that, we're going to change the very character of who God is. God's the one who describes what love is. When you love somebody, you can't watch them do evil and be okay with it. You just can't do it. God's made it clear that you and I have a choice, and love always demands a choice. And if you have a real choice, you have to have real consequences. Recently in the ministry that I serve, Silver Birch Ranch, we were very much cheated by an engineer on one of our buildings. This is neither the time or the place to talk about how we were cheated, but it was obvious that we were cheated. In order for us to straighten out that problem, we would need to spend a tremendous amount of time and effort. We would need to go to court I'm not saying we should or we shouldn't, but I'm saying that regardless of how this ends up, I pity the man who cheated God's people. This is not my battle to fight. This is God's battle to fight. This is not my ground. This is his ground. You see, when people attack those who love God for doing what they think honors God, it's God they're going to have to deal with. 
we just don't see things clearly often. It's kind of interesting when you think about those who deny that there is a God and deny that life is sacred and deny that there's a plan for all that is created, usually don't have answers for the real things that trouble life. They usually have to go to alcohol, drugs, sex, power to satisfy their cravings. Those who love God and walk with him don't need to do that. For they find satisfaction in God. And this life is a struggle for satisfaction. A.T. Pearson once told a story about a London clergyman, a pastor, who met with an infidel who wished that all churches were swept from the land, beginning with Spurgeon's church. I love this pastor's response to the infidel. He said this, Then which of you infidels will be the first to take upon himself the responsibility of Mr. Spurgeon's orphanage. He said the silence following the question was very expressive. Those who are stuck on themselves and trying to make themselves God only do things if it benefits themselves. He may say, wait a minute, I know people who are not Christian and don't love God that do things for others. No, I don't doubt that at all. The thing that we can't get away from is our heart condition, and I can't judge the heart condition, but this is what I understand. I can do things for somebody else, and it appears that I'm doing it for them, when in reality... I'm still all about me and I'm doing it for me. I can give away a lot of money so that I can feel good about me. I can give away time so that I can feel good about me. I can say nice things to people who then praise me for saying nice things to them and feel really good about me. If I have much, I can be very generous. And people will say nice things about me. And of course, I will say nice things about them because I want them to say nice things about me. See, if there's no God in the universe, I start to make myself God. In reality, everything is really about God, not about me. And those who live godless lives are trying to make everything about them because they're trying to be God. Funny thing is, there comes a time where we realize that everything isn't about us. We realize that. We realize that this world is here by design of someone else. It's kind of interesting to think about various 
things that we see every day and understand but refuse to apply in our lives. We know that one day every human being that we have ever met will die. We know that. But we act as if that will never happen to us. But it will. You know, those who know God, they're not afraid of life and they're really not afraid of death. They're not afraid of disasters and they're not afraid of joy that comes in their life. They're not afraid of stability and they're not afraid of change. Because there's an overwhelming, overriding purpose to everything they do. Whatever happens in their life, their purpose remains the same. Whether I am sick or poor, or famous or infamous, whether I am in a jail cell or free, whether I am sick or healthy, my job is the same. My wife and I recently wrote a book to children, and I've talked about it on this program before, called My Shepherd. It's really a family book, meant to be read as a family to children, and open the dialogue of who God is in light of what David says in Psalm 23. My father-in-law, who is in a nursing home facility, asked if he could have 10 copies of it to give away. And he gave those away and he called and asked us to bring 10 more. He's talking to everybody that comes into his room about my shepherd. My wife, his daughter, talking to him on the phone once said, isn't that great, Dad? Perhaps you're in the facility you're in today and in the state you're in today so that you could get the gospel out to the people that you're touching today. Being in a nursing home could be tragic in some people's minds or it could be a blessing because we have nursing homes. Losing your health and having somebody have to take care of all your needs could be a tragedy to some and to others. It could be a blessing that they're in a place where others would take care of them. You never really lose your opportunity to represent God and to show the world who He is. If you don't have God, though, as we've said for the whole half hour, you're a fool. That's the definition from Scripture. Those who are godless that say that they can tolerate the Bible obviously have never read it. Because the Bible doesn't soft soap some of the things that the society and our culture wants us to that it's very specific on what it says. In the beginning, God 
not Dave. That phrase alone says a tremendous amount. I wasn't there in the beginning. I will witness the end. I created nothing. God created everything. I can make nothing happen. God can make anything happen. God demonstrated his love to me while I was still sinful. I often have rejected his love and tried to live so many times on my own and wondered why I was so miserable. It's not that I wasn't temporarily okay, but living apart from God is a huge, miserable existence. Psalm 14.1 The fool says in his heart, not necessarily with his words, but in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. The people that say there is no God, they are corrupt. That's what God's word says. Thank you for joining me for this past half hour on Nighttime, brought to you by the leadership team of Relate365.com.